Hey, it's Keith. Oh, hi. How are you doing? Well, let me go down to the other phone. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I gotta let the dog in, too. Sure. How's the weather there? The crap here. It's not the best. I don't know. It's it's sort of in the middle. It's been worse and better, so I can't really complain, I guess. Well, ours is not bad yet, but we're supposed to be getting some humdinger that's coming up the east coast. Yeah, here. apparently, yeah. Uh, I get all uh, January. I get all my news from wrestling, and uh, they had to cancel Monday Night Raw tonight because uh, it's in New York or something. And yeah, supposedly it's going to be a disaster. Oh yeah, they've they've closed everything down there, and they haven't even got it yet. Come on, Chico, hurry up! Oh girl, she's so arthritic she can hardly move anymore. How old is she now? Uh, she is. She's only 12, 13 in the summer. Um, but she's one of those big dogs. They really, they always seem to start slowing down when they get to, uh, you know, 10 or 11. Uh, there. Oh, yeah. Okay. I can actually tell the difference. I can hear you better through that phone. Oh, that portable phone is the shit. And it has no power to it. You walk around and you talk to somebody for both sides. God, and this phone's deciding to fall on me. Okay, so how are things? Not bad. So I met, um, yeah, I met a way better location today. This is like, it's the little station uh, across from where I live at Islington Station. And uh, I don't know, it took me a while to find this place, actually, even though it's like a whole station. But yeah, it's like a food court and stuff. But it's all these buildings that remind me of uh, RoboCop. I'm sure you probably haven't seen RoboCop since the 80s, if you ever saw it. Yeah, so, so it's not like a mall. No, well, it's like these giant office towers that are just like, and I guess they're just full of people. So so there's this whole, the bottom floor has got like coffee shops and, and all this like, restaurants and things. And I guess it's just for lunchtime for these places. And then even at suppertime, like now... It's all sort of shutting down, but it's still technically open, and it's got phones, and it's inside, and it's kind of quiet, so this works out pretty good. And how far is it from your place? Oh, like real close, like a, I don't know, three-minute walk. Oh, jeez. So that's good. It's also weird because I'm doing laundry, too, so I was like, ah, I should go. Like It's going to take forever for the dryer to finish and everything, so uh, I'm not really well-dressed even for this weather, but it's like, I can make it. I just got to make it three minutes, and I'll be fine. So... So will this place shut down like at about 8 o'clock or that, or will it be open all night? I don't know when it closes. I think technically it's open all night. Like, I've noticed that a lot with Toronto. It's weird, like, especially that, um, you know, the underground stuff downtown, like the uh, the path system, I guess they call it, that it's kind of like the one in Montreal. But that's open all night long and with really minimal security, and there's... Uh, all these like food court things down there also that some of them have grates but some of them don't like you could really go down there and fuck up a lot of shit is basically what i'm saying and i think uh that's neat about canada in a way is like i guess we have our homelessness under control at least enough that like that that's not a problem you know (laughs) like like i just can't imagine it in new york like this would be full of like street kids or something just sleeping so are there very many in that place where you're on the phone are there very many people in there like right now uh yeah there's still uh i'm just looking behind me i think like the crappiest thing in the food court it's like a crappy pizza place is still open so there's like it's only six o'clock there it's about six fifteen six twenty yeah so it's not super late so yeah i'm assuming like by around eight o'clock like all the stores will be closed but you can still come in here i noticed there's a, a fitness place in here too like i've been doing exercise and stuff lately but i've just been doing it at home and I, I don't know, that seems like a weird step to make. Like, if I didn't have somebody to go with me or show me how it works, like, how I've never been to 
a, a place where like a I don't know what do you call it a workout place <laughs> well that's it yeah same here like I can't see myself ever checking out a place like that yeah I don't know I kind of like to unless I don't but... know unless I well I went, well I know I can't see myself going I couldn't even see myself going with anybody yeah I don't know I'm kind of found I wouldn't mind trying it but I really kind of found like I don't know I kind of hit like a weird little wall lately of uh I guess just like the living by myself and figuring out dumb stuff in my life. Like it's so hard to do stuff by yourself. Like it really is easier just in groups or even with one other person. And I think I always kind of resisted that. Like, ah, you're supposed to be independent and be able to do stuff. And now I just kind of feel like, no, like I, I no, I don't want to. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm and, tired. and when you're with somebody else, they give you a bit of an incentive. That's what they always say about exercise when people like go jogging and. To, to kind of keep the incentive going yourself solely, you got to have some kind of willpower. Yeah. But if there's some other guy who always calls you up or a girl who says, you know, let's go or uh, we're going to do this at 6 o'clock every morning, yeah, yeah, you do it because there's an expectation there. And you've got somebody who's kind of, you're feeding off each other, giving each other the incentive to do it. It's too easy yourself just to say, I don't think I'll do that. I'll do that tomorrow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Three days, four days go by, and then eventually just don't do it at all. Yeah, I've been, like, slipping quite a bit myself even. But, uh, I don't know, it's been kind of cool because it's one of these things, like, now that I know it, it seems ridiculously obvious. But, like, it's just so easy in North America to just, you know, have a desk job and just sit around and watch TV all night and whatever. But, like, I was amazed how much... It was some guy on YouTube I saw who was, like, a... Uh, I guess he's like a counselor guy, he just does like videos, but he's also super muscly. And I'm like, this is weird. Like, I wouldn't have expected this guy to have good advice because I was just thinking like, you know, big muscly dumb guys. Like, that's just like, you know, the stereotype or whatever, especially being a skinny, non-muscly guy. Like, I think I always kind of grew up with that. Like, I don't play sports and people that play sports are dumb. You know, just that type of shit. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, that's the stereotype view is that if they're spending so much time on their muscle, uh, obviously they're not putting spending time on their brain muscle right and i think that's what's really interesting that i've been like learning about lately is uh is that it really is like the exact opposite of that like if you're just trying to think your way out of your problems or work out your life just with your brain it's like so hard to do where once you do some exercise like it just kind of like it's basically about how like your your brain and your body are just like really connected like we had this idea that they're separate and they're not like just just physically like nerve endings and everything all these connections and yeah, i was amazed how much just doing some push-ups or something like i just it was just i could just think clearer and things just seemed easier and more obvious it's like your your it's like your brain instead of just being in your head it starts being your whole body like you just it's like you have a bigger brain kind of and uh, yeah, I don't know. It's been it's been cool. It's been a neat thing, and it's one of those things too. Like I just, in any previous human society, I just I wouldn't have had to learn this. It would just be like there's well whatever. We got to go make a canoe today and go hunting, and like you would just be physical. And so it seems like so clear now. Like yeah, of course that's how you're supposed to be. But, like you know, I I think it comes down to the old everything in moderation kind of thing. But right, sure. Like yeah. if you're if you're building your muscles. To, to a moderation, okay. You're working your brain to moderation, okay. But the, that image we have of the big dumb muscle guy, it's like though they went to extremes. Right. These are the guys who take the steroids and they've got the great big, you know, their muscles are so huge. It, it, it's like unnatural looking. They have neglected their brain. 
So it's not been like a, a moderate thing of having the two feed one another. It's like, okay, like the, you got the nerdy guy who's just doing his brain and doesn't do any physical activity at all, or you get the physical activity guy who that's all he thinks about. Right. His, his body and how can he make his body better and how can he make his body bigger. So he's not really using his brain. Well, so they've kind of missed the... They missed it. They missed that thing of moderate. Everything yeah. in moderation works well. I think, too, in that case, it is a weird thing, too. That's another thing I'm kind of learning about is how, like, how uh, how many things can be addictive, like even weird stuff like that that seems good. Like, oh, it seems good that I'm working out and I'm getting muscles, but, yeah, it's like they get addicted to just the dopamine that it releases, you know, just like anything. And, uh, yeah, so they just do it to a detrimental level. And <laughs> it's like... It's like, man, it is tricky being a person sometimes when, like, you're doing a healthy thing, quote-unquote, and, you, you, like, you, yeah, you get caught in it and you take it too far. But that's what I think is interesting, too, is, like, so, yeah, you get that example of the guys that are way too much with the working out and everything. But I really feel like uh, most people in North America, and I feel like this is what I was in, it is, like, too far the other way. Like, no moderation the other way. Like, I never exercised, ever. I mean, I walk places. But even that, I think that's why I walk is because it made me feel better. I didn't really put that together. But, like, yeah, like the... Because basically, I guess, just uh, not to, like, big myself up or whatever, but it's only been, like, three months, right, that I've been, like, exercising. And I have, like, muscles now. Like, I have a normal-looking body. <laughs> and, and it, like, was so easy. It was like my body was dying for me to do something. So it kind of made me realize that the way I was before and the way everybody is, just weird skinny people or fat people or whatever, like, like we're, like, well, let's take skinny. Like, I was emaciated. Like, it's just not natural that I should be able to live my whole life sitting in front of a computer and never moving, you know? Well, yeah, that's the whole, the whole world has changed since, really, since TV came. You have to, because TV made people stationary. And then, of course, all these things that have developed out of TV. But you can go back to the 50s, when, and that's where you see it starting to happen. Farms are starting to break down, so people aren't going out to work in the farm anymore. They get up in the morning and they, they don't have to walk to work because they get all this transportation that'll take them to work. Then they sit in a chair all day or they go to school and they sit in the school all day. They come home at night, they can sit and watch that the box looking at them. So, yeah, the, the, whole, the whole thing of, of the need for people to get up and have a purpose like working on the farm or walking to work. I mean, you, you hear about those people in England who, like, they walked everywhere between those little towns. Right. And, you know, they usually had, sometimes they had their bare feet, and they say, well, I'm just walking from this town to that town, and you find out later that that town to that town was 25 miles. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, and it's like, hey, it's like we're going next door. They walked everywhere. Yeah, I guess it's all just they had to. perspective, and yeah, that's what you expect to have to do. Yeah, and, and that's like, as I've been learning more about this stuff, too, it's like how... Uh, you know, physically, we haven't changed at all. Like, we haven't evolved even slightly. So we spent 50,000 years being physical, and that's what got us here. And now that we're here, we just forget about it. Like, like that's what was neat about this is, is I used to have that idea of, like, oh, exercise, are you kidding? I don't want to do that. And now I kind of feel the opposite way. Like, like I was not... Like, this, so the society wasn't doing me a favor by letting me be this sedentary. Like, I really do just feel way better about everything. When yeah, I, and you know what? People who exercise say that. 
they say they, they just have a good sense of well-being. Right. And, well, yeah, you got to take care of every little part of your body. It must have been talking on the <laughs> most exercise I can do. I walk to work. I walk back. It's like five minutes. But, yeah, I don't know. It's neat. It's neat to have this kind of little... It's like switch in my mindset like you know uh, at this the subway station I met it's really long set of stairs but like I I never take the escalator now it's like it's like oh good there's an opportunity to go up the stairs and kind of you know get my my body moving a little get my blood pumping it's like it's nice I don't know I'm glad that I stumbled into this I'm glad you did too because you're 35 now and if you don't do it now, you'll get into like 45 or 50 and be real sedentary. <laughs> well, that's one thing too that's kind of good about being so just ridiculously skinny is uh, I learned that too of just even stuff like, uh, you know, ab muscles. Everyone's all into the ab muscles. And I found out that really all that comes down to is how little body fat you have. Because everybody has ab muscles and you get like those um, strongman guys and, you know, they just have the big guts but they're still super strong. But so like I bet what I'm saying is that because I have no fat, you know, I can see my abs. Like they're right there. It's fine. <laughs> you know, like like I, it didn't take me very much to look different. And like that's a, just a, such a good motivator where I'm just like, hey, look at that. Like muscles, cool. Like I don't know. I just always thought like I would never be able to do that stuff or be that kind of person. And now it now I know I can. So that's. Cool. I'm not surprised that you did that. Neil went through a phase like that. Yeah, I remember. It about probably also in his 30s, right? I remember there's. Say he was probably in his mid 30s. He had all that equipment down in the basement. But see, he, he and Adam Bentley were going on that. Yeah, I remember that. I still have a picture of Dad from back then. Yeah, and it's like, look at that guy. He's in shape. Yeah, but but that only lasted while he had Adam as his uh, his prompter. Right. And then they kind of both. Well, the other thing is they finish up and they go up and drink beer. So they kind of they kind of were just in stasis there for a while, and then it just they just gave up on it. Well, that kind of ties in, too, to uh, the one thing I kind of wanted to bring up is, um, well, because, like, I guess just even this basic stuff of just realizing, like, I always wondered what I would do if I lived in a different society. Like, if I was in medieval England, like, I would have to convince people I was a wizard or something because I just didn't feel like I could hack that life. Like, how would I walk 25 miles or how would I plow a field or whatever? And this just kind of made me realize, like, oh, actually, no, it wouldn't be that big a deal if I did have to go carve canoes or whatever. Like, I can. I'm just a person like every person in history has been. Like, it's fine. And you will, and you know what? You would do it because out of necessity, you would have to do it. Yeah, exactly. Because, again, you're just, like, connected to your tribe, and it's like, what are you going to do, not yeah. do it? Like, you know. I mean, and, if the crew yeah. is out there getting the grain in because they've got to get the grain for winter and it's going to last them all winter and the rain's coming, everybody goes out into the field and does it. Yeah, and the whole thing, it really seems kind of fascinating to me because uh like i was just thinking that like if you're out hunting and like you have to do this or everyone's gonna starve to death like that'd be the best video game in the world like that's really all we're trying to do with these dumb video games is try to make them more immersive and more realistic and make you more engaged and you would be so engaged <laughs> like the whole world would just be so like whoa i gotta pay attention to every little thing now because it's important like i don't know uh, i mean it's it seems like it wasn't so bad in some ways back then. <laughs> I don't care about the shit we have now, movies and TV and shit. I don't care about that. But anyway, that's an extreme example. But what I was going to bring up with that is that Tales of the Iroquois book, right? Because I don't really have very much to go on about what things were actually like if you were like a Native American in a tribe or something. But I would always think of that book that you had when we were kids. 
and I just got in the mail. I told you I ordered a copy. It's different than the one you have. Like uh, the one you have has the big. It's brown with the big mosquito on the cover. Um, if you remember. Mosquito? I didn't think it was a mosquito. I thought it was like a. It's it's a tanny color, and maybe. it's. Uh, I thought it was the head of an Iroquois guy on it, actually. Yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe in red, and he's cut. He's like engraved in, in like it's a red type engraving. Yeah, because the, the mosquito always stuck out in my mind, but maybe I'm just imagining that that was the cover and it wasn't. It was like the interior picture. But yeah, this one is a different volume because it's volume one and two together in one book. But uh, is it about Champlain coming to? No, this one, it's about, it's like, uh, it's the actual, like, little drawings that they made. Oh, you know what you're thinking of. Okay, that is a brown book. And I got that. That's not the same book that I'm, that I'm talking about. Um, it's a brown book, and it's got yeah, the drawings in it, and it and it tells you what the drawings mean, and then it's got some stories in it. Where did I get that book? I bought it at a yard sale or something, I think, when you kids were really little. Yeah. Well, that's the one I'm thinking of, yeah, for sure, because now that I have it again and I'm looking at it, like I, I remember it of about reading it as a kid and uh, like I haven't had a chance to go through the whole thing yet yeah yeah oh I know which one you mean now no the one I'm thinking of but I thought it was going to be anyway it's about Champlain what I'm talking about is about uh, when Champlain first arrived in Canada this is the one I won when I was in grade 7 Champlain comes and he meets the Indians for the first time and it's all about uh, tales of Iroquois, but you know what? I, I know exactly the one you're talking about. That brown book. I just use it to teach Sunday school. Yeah. <laughs> teach the native kids what their native stuff was. The heck with all the Christian stuff. But I actually know why I taught it was because of uh, there were so many likenesses between uh, a lot of those Christian stories and those those Iroquois stories. Yeah, all these creation stories and all this they, stuff. Yeah, the creation Mother Earth and the, the turtle and the turtle rides to the surface and becomes uh, ground that becomes the earth and uh, yeah and it's got all those hieroglyphics in it yeah yeah it's got like the little drawings and then yeah just in English they explain what they I guess as much as they can figure out like what these drawings represented so the one story that always stuck in my mind that I just looked at today before I left the house it is about the big mosquito and it's it's so cool because it's like their story of where mosquitoes came from yeah and it was, I guess, just so you wouldn't be demoralized if you're out in the woods and you're getting bit by mosquitoes all day. The story was that it's obviously totally made up bullshit, but that there were, there used to only be two mosquitoes, and they were as big as a pine tree, like they were huge, and uh, and they, they would like skewer people on their their you know stinger proboscis thing, like it was so big it would just stick right through people. So a bunch of braves went out and. Uh, I'd had a giant battle and half of them died and they finally killed these giant mosquitoes and slit them open and out of their inside like a bunch of little mosquitoes flew out yeah so yep. the story is like if you're out in the woods getting bit by mosquitoes and you're getting really demoralized by them you should be proud because that's just these sad little mosquitoes that are left because your ancestors killed the real mosquitoes you should be damn lucky that it's not the big mosquito <laughs> yeah so I mean I always really like that story because like that's a really good example of like let's just spin a yarn just so just to keep people's uh, morale up like that's a good one I'm to see if I can find that book. I'd forgotten about that. That's a that's an excellent book. Yeah, and the, this one that I've got with the two volumes, it seems like volume two is different. It's just stories, like it doesn't have the little drawings. But but yeah, it's kind of cool to read it again. So I I bet it I bet volume one is exactly what we had. 
Yeah. The first yeah. story in it is the, is the creation story. Yeah, definitely flipping through it, I did remember it. Yes, yeah, so I'm going to go through that and like read all of it and just, I don't know, see what I think about it now, I guess. <laughs> see, see what kind of weird stories are in there. Then I must find the other one that I'm talking about that I thought it was. And because uh, I've got that around here too. Yeah, so I guess uh, if I'm just uh, still doing a little podcasty thing, so we're at like 20 minutes, but just to finish off, I mean, even though it's a different book, but do you want to tell that story about uh, the Kindness Club and all that? So that was kind of interesting. Oh, that was the, the Kindness Club book. No, I was in grade 8 when I got that one. <laughs> well, I was, um, the Kindness Club was uh, something like the SPCA, but it was existed in Fredericton in the 1960s. Maybe, I think it existed all throughout New Brunswick, but it was formed by the Lieutenant Governor's wife, Ada, Ada Fleming. And every year in school, kids were enticed to write an essay about kindness to animals. So I wrote an essay in grade eight, and I was one of the winners. I didn't win. The, I think the big prizes were money, maybe prizes one and two, and then the rest of them, there were maybe like 10 or whatever books that people won. So I won one of the books, and I brought it home from school, real proud, you know, never, but never had a chance to read it because the book disappeared. The very day I brought it home, the book disappeared. Never saw it again, of course, there was a lot of cursing and swearing and accusing people of theft and everything else. We always did that in our house. And then about, I'm going to say five years ago, so we're talking a good 50 years later, um... Marsha McClellan came to my house, came to my office, and brought me this book. And inside the book was a little note that said I had won it, and it was a woman award from the Kindness Club. And I said, where did she get that from? Well, it was in her grandmother's house. Her grandmother had died, they were cleaning out the house, and they found this book. So all we could figure is that the day I brought the book home, one of my younger brothers and sisters took that book next door to show it to the grandmother, Mrs. Mrs. Gorman, to show it to her son, Bud. Bud was in his mid, I don't know, 30s or 40s. It's hard to tell when you're, when you're like 13 or 14 how old that was. But he was mentally retarded. And he always used to sit out and swing in his yard, and our mother used to make us go over and spend time with us. Oh, we found it boring. But, <laughs> you know, it's always you poor. You know, you could be like that. You just go over there and spend time with him and stop feeling sorry for yourself. And if you really want to feel that you're being downtrodden in life, you could be like Bud. So, of course, we'd go over and spend time with Bud. So we thought that one of one of the kids must have taken the book over to show it to Bud. And Bud probably thought it was a gift for him. Took it in his house. And it stayed in his house for all those years. 50 years. So it came around. 50 years later, it came around full circle back to me. <laughs> Man, that and is... I read the book 50 years later. <laughs> Oh, wasn't anything to write home about. It was okay, but it was a great book. That's weird, too, because, yeah, that happens all the time of, um, you know, usually I think for, for my life it's like uh, TV shows that I liked as a kid or something, you know, and I have these fond memories of them, and then the Internet, you can just go watch them, and you're like, oh, maybe maybe G.I. Joe wasn't that good or <laughs> whatever. So it's funny that this is like that, except except a book. Like, it's funny, too, that a book was, oh, so exciting. Let's go show the neighbors that we got a new book. <laughs> And maybe if I had read the book when I won it, because I was a great age, so I was at 13, um, maybe I would have thought it was great, but right. I never had the opportunity to read it. But reading it later, all those years later, was like, oh, oh hmm. 
I guess it would have been exciting too, just because you won it. That kind of makes it kind of cooler. But man, how weird must that have been to be going through, uh, you know, uh, all her grandmother's stuff and just find a book with your name in it? <laughs> like that must have been really weird. Yeah. But we lived next door, and I knew them. I mean, I knew them all for all the years. That uh, even after I grew up, um, I knew that family, and I, I knew them quite well. So, and I ran into them off and on as years came and went. But still, it was very odd. Just to, you know, most people just would have taken that book. It was a kid's book, and they probably just would have chucked it. But somebody opened it up, and there was my name, and saying that I had won it. Oh, they thought they'd better return it to its rightful owner. Man, yeah, that is weird. It's like, uh, I don't know, like uh, like in a movie or something. Like, ah, destiny. It was destined to come back to you, but then you get it, and you're just like, eh, <laughs> whatever. And, of course, at the time when it was lost, and I was accusing everybody of theft, of course, I got the big foot down on stop you probably never won that. <laughs> I can still remember somebody saying, you never won that book anyway. You just made that up. Yeah, the whole thing does sound like the kindness club. Like, it sounds like it does sound like a weird, like, lie that a little kid would make. I won this book at a kindness club meeting or something. Yeah, and, and they would have believed me, except not, nobody saw it, except... You know, some of the kids saw it. I don't think any adults saw it. So after a while, I said, well, you just shut up and stop going on about that book because you never won it anyway. <laughs> so you never had that book. And I'm certain that I guess maybe eventually I might have started thinking, my God. <laughs> did I, did I dream I, the kindness club? Didn't I win that book? Didn't I bring that book home? But it was definitely gone forever. <laughs> well, mystery solved. <laughs> mystery solved. <laughs> Man, so that's something too. I mean, uh, I gotta go check on my laundry and stuff, but I guess I'll wrap this up. But uh, man, we should definitely talk about what that must have been like. I mean, growing up in a house with that many kids, I always think about that. Like, man, that must have been weird. Mm. I'm sure, I'm sure that. And it <laughs> was an experience. There's no question about it. Sure, we'll get some material out of that. Yeah, I bet is, you can. <laughs> this is interesting too. I'm kind of learning, especially if I keep using this phone, I'll learn about the workings of this place. I just saw like a security guy go through and I've heard all these big clanging doors close. And there's still people here, but yeah, definitely this place is slowly shutting down. Okay. All right. Then I'll let you shut down too. Cool. I don't know. I think this seems like it's kind of a neat little thing, right? It seems like it's pretty easy to blab for 20 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> I think we can okay. pull this off. Yeah. If we, if we keep it kind of limited. Yeah. And it, um, yeah, it's just a good excuse, and especially now that I found this, man, this makes such a difference, like, not being outdoors in the freezing cold, <laughs> like, that I finally found a, an indoor phone. It's awesome. Okay. Cool. Well, All right. We'll sign off, and I'll wait for your call next Monday. Yeah, I'll hear, talk to you next Monday, then. Okay. Okay, bye. All right, bye-bye.